0: In his book, Being Mortal, Atul Gawande discusses the process of aging and dying from the perspective of a medical doctor. He raises the dilemma of quality of life versus quantity of life and shares a lot of stories from his patients and his family members. It's a great read for everyone. It's a very useful book for caregivers because it gives a good overview of different options available from assisted living communities and nursing homes to in-home hospice care. I want to share some of my notes and comments from that book in hopes that it would be helpful for you or inspire you to read the book. It's the questions that I'm thinking a lot about myself and I want to discuss that with you. So let's talk about it. Modern scientific capability has profoundly altered the course of human life. People live longer and better than at any other time in history. But scientific advances have turned the process of aging and dying into medical experiences, matters to be managed by healthcare professionals and we in the medical world have proved alarmingly unprepared for it. This reality has been largely hidden as the final phases of life become less familiar to people. As recently as 1945, most deaths occurred in in the home. By the 1980s, just 17% did. Those who somehow did die at home likely died too suddenly to make it to the hospital say from a massive heart attack stroke or violent injury or were too isolated to get somewhere that could provide help across not just the united states but also the entire industrialized world the experience of advanced aging and death has shifted to hospitals and nursing homes in the course of the book atuga wande brings up compelling arguments why the end of life at the comfort of someone's home is better for the dying person, and how it helps the families to experience that conclusion, that closure, and that would help them to process grief in a more natural and dignifying way. And it's hard not to agree with him. But my mind immediately goes to the caregivers The people or most likely the person and even more often it's a female relative who is taking care of the dying loved one. How is that arrangement work for them? If this is the case when the extended family members take turn in taking care or when in-home hospice care is available and some other resources available, then yes. I would absolutely agree that the comfort of the home is the best. But if it is the way how it was in my case, when I was my mom's caregiver, and I was the only caregiver, and there was no hospice care available, neither for home nor in a specialized facility, then no, I don't think it's a good option. It's a quality of life not only of the person who is being cared for, but also the quality of life of caregiver. It's equally important to take care of everyone involved, the caregiver and the one being cared for. Here is another quote: "Old age is not a diagnosis. There is always some final proximate cause that gets written down on the death certificate respiratory failure, cardiac arrest. But in truth, no single disease leads to the end. The culprit is just the accumulated crumbling of one's bodily systems while medicine carries out its maintenance measures and pitch jobs. We reduce the blood pressure here, beat back the osteoporosis there, control this disease, track that one, replace a failed joint, valve, Princeton, watch the central processing unit gradually give out. And we always trotting out some story of a 97-year-old who runs marathons as if such cases were not miracles of biological luck, but reasonable expectations for all. Then, when our bodies fail to live up to this fantasy, we feel as if somehow have something to apologize for. Those of us in medicine don't help, for we often regard the patient on the downhill as uninteresting unless he or she has a discrete problem we can fix. In a sense, the advances of modern medicine have given us two revolutions. We have undergone a biological transformation of the course of our lives and also a cultural transformation of how we think about that course. And this is a big one, actually. Uh, We resist the idea of our parents' mortality, and we trust the medicine so much that we think that everything could be fixed. And our parents' dementia can be fixed too. We forget that the dead brain cells don't come back to life and we expect the person with dementia to be back to so-called normal at some point, but they are not. And we take it as the person's personal unwillingness to be back to normal and become resentful of our parents. And I remember my own resentment when I I couldn't accept that my mom had dementia and that she had cancer and she could not go back to the person that she was. I was thinking that she was not trying. Like, she didn't make an effort. She just gave up, even though it was, like, absolutely, physically, absolutely impossible. And I also vividly remember how a couple of years ago, my mom, mother-in-law, uh, who was at home at that time, had to put aside for something $153. She was getting so confused with all the paper money she had, and she just couldn't count all those paper bills to make that amount. And she was actually a university professor of physics, and math was her love language. At that moment, she couldn't do very simple arithmetic. And I remember how my husband was in the resentment of her not being able to do what she used to do so well for so many years. He was saying something like, mom, why can't you just count the dollar bills you have in front of you? It's not that complicated. And this is how we have a lot of resentment, because we want our parents to be fixed somehow and to be back to their normal selves as we have known them all our lives. They will never come back. And sending them to the hospital would not fix that. They would not run a marathon when they are 97. Dementia is a dark hole, and there is no way out of it. And we have to live with this. Here is another quote. I'm leery of suggesting the idea that endings are controllable. No one ever really has control. Physics and biology and accidents ultimately have their way in our lives. But the point is that we are not helpless either. Courage is the strength to recognize both realities. The realities of what's happening because of the physics and biology and the reality of what's happening because of the accidents. We have room to act, to shape our stories, though as time goes on it is within narrower and narrower confines. A few conclusions become clear when we understand this, that our most cruel failure in how we treat the sick and the aged is the failure to recognize that they have priorities beyond merely being safe and living longer that the chance to shape one's story is essential to sustaining meaning in life, that we have the opportunity to refashion our institutions, our culture, and our conversations in ways that transform the possibilities for the last chapters of everyone's lives. End of quote. And here where my family is right now, my father-in-law... We jokingly call him the Admiral, and he will be, most likely, he will be the main character of the upcoming episodes. He is 93, and he still lives independently. And we put a lot of effort to make it possible for him, utilizing all the resources available and hiring in-home aides to help him live as independently as possible. Because we believe that spending the last chapter of his life at home is better for him. And then he called last Saturday and told us how his aid was going to come over at 2.30 p.m. And now it's noon and he's sitting and waiting for her to come. And my heart ached. Yes, he's at his home of the last 15 years or so. He likes his place, and he's comfortable there. But he's sitting there alone, probably looking at the wall clock, waiting for someone to come. His wife is in a hospice, his friends are gone, and he's not really interested in his projects of how to improve everyone's life anymore. The highlight of his day is someone coming for a short visit, and he's waiting for it. And honestly, I doubt if this is what is good for him. He likes to be the center of everyone's attention. And he sees himself as a patriarch of our family and of everyone who is in contact with him. He instructs everyone what they have to do and feels extremely satisfied when things are done to his specifications. He's actually striving in the hospitals and rehabs after the hospital stays because there are so many activities happening around him all the time. People are coming and leaving and they're doing something and there is so much attention to him specifically. He just feels alive there, which means we should start looking for the new living arrangements for him. And it confirms again, that what we think is the best option might not be the best option for this particular person or in this particular situation. There is no right or wrong way of taking care of aging parents. Whatever works for your family is the best way. Thank you for being with me today. If you like what you hear in this episode, please do me a favor and share it with the caregivers who may need to hear it too. Then we can support each other in our caregiving journeys. I love you, and I will talk to you next week.